Bibliotherapy with State Library Victoria is a unique podcast series that offers you respite and comfort via the healing power of great stories. This series is brought to you by bibliotherapist Dr Susan McLean and State Library Victoria. Hello, welcome. I'm so glad you could join me for another episode of Bibliotherapy with State Library Victoria. Coming up, I'll share a story, routine, and the poem, The Road Not Taken. Bibliotherapy with State Library Victoria is a collection of all sorts of poems and stories read aloud to offer comfort and a way to dwell more deeply with our experiences. My name is Susan McLean, and over many years I've studied, written about, spoken about, and run bibliotherapy groups to support people through life's challenges and the experiences of being human. As part of Series 2, I have selected stories and poems to help you have conversations with your inner self. Some of you may not want to have a conversation with yourself and may just want to relax and listen to the story. And luckily, that is a choice that you and you alone get to make. And I will offer some questions to ponder. You may want to stop the podcast while you consider them, or you may wish to let them slowly percolate during the week. In this episode, I have selected a story and poem that will help you have a conversation with yourself about the ways in which we incorporate routine to try to control our experience. The story is called Routine and written by Matt Ward in Untitled, Issue 8, published by Busy Bird Publishing. In these podcasts, I'll be reading slowly, savouring each word and providing space between the words. After the end of the story, I'll stop for a short pause to allow us to dwell quietly for a moment in the space the words and images create. You can control how long you pause. So, relax, settle back and let yourself listen. Gerald Jenkins found himself staring at his feet on a normal Melbourne morning, gripped by the feeling that something unusual was happening. Much to his surprise, he was pulling on the left shoe before the right one. He paused to think. He couldn't think of a time when he hadn't put his right shoe on first. He'd woken up as usual, three minutes before the 6.30 alarm buzzed. He'd done his usual stretches and heard the usual creaking and clicking sounds from his 42-year-old body. 
He'd eaten his usual breakfast and ignored the usual talk show on the kitchen radio. He spent the usual 14 minutes in the bathroom before getting dressed for work. He was thinking his usual thoughts about nothing in particular when the shoe surprise had broken his morning routine. Gerald contemplated the shoes. They were a ridiculously pointy Italian make with a name he couldn't quite pronounce. The brightly clad girl in the shop on Chapel Street had insisted they were the right thing for him, even though what he really wanted was something simple and comfortable. He'd never thought of this pair of shoes as his shoes. They were always just the shoes. If he put that shoes on, he'd probably go about his day as if nothing unusual had happened and he'd forget it ever had. He glared at the shoes. They were slightly too stiff and slightly too fashionable but far too expensive for him to throw away. Now he had been given a sign and he'd be a fool to ignore it. Gerald dug through the back of the wardrobe and found his old running shoes. These were most definitely his shoes, even though he hadn't worn them in years. He pulled them on being careful to put the left one on before the right to keep the new rhythm going. He stood and took a few tentative steps. His feet felt like they'd come home to a warm embrace and he wondered where they were going to take him. Gerald's feet took him as far as the coffee shop at his local train station before he realised he was falling back into the same old routine. The shop didn't sell the worst coffee in Melbourne, but only because they lacked the dedication required to be truly terrible instead of merely awful. He had a cup every morning. Gerald decided to risk his train trip without a barely warm flat white to occupy his attention and give him something to grimace at. He ignored his usual standing spot near the rear end of the platform where he routinely waited. Instead, he walked towards the front, feeling a nervous tinge of trepidation as he looked around trying to work out where the optimum spot to stand was in order to be perfectly placed when the train arrived. He couldn't see any obvious clues, so he picked a central spot and stared across the tracks at a plain concrete wall with a dark green drain pipe dividing it roughly in half. He wondered what was involved 
in designing a drain pipe. Did architects specialise? Gerald's thoughts were interrupted as the train arrived. All the good seats by the windows were already taken, so he chose an aisle seat next to a young blonde girl wearing a beautiful deep blue Indian sari, opposite a bushy bearded man in a dark business suit. Both had paperback books in their laps and appeared to be completely unaware of their surroundings. Gerald's usual commute survival technique involved blocking out the journey by plugging in his earphones and half listening to podcasts about celebrities he'd never meet and fabulous places he'd never go. Today he listened to the train and the people commuting with him. He listened to breathing and the train creaking and the wind rushing by outside and the occasional blast from the horn as they approached level crossings and stations. A faint tish, tish, tish from the earphones of the young man in jeans and a green T-shirt across the aisle from him. Screeching brakes, coughs and muffled sneezes, soft sighs. For the first time in a long time, he realised he wasn't alone. He was surrounded by people, all with their own lives. Gerald had been told the best way to survive the world he'd found himself in was by following a routine. Get up, shave, shower, eat breakfast, go to work, attend meetings, eat lunch, write reports, come home, watch TV, eat dinner, go to bed. Wait for the weekend, go shopping, mow the grass, change sheets, take care of laundry, iron shirts, vacuum, dust, mop, clean. Keep doing the things that keep you alive, presentable and a member of the human race. Keep on keeping on. He had asked what the point of it all was. There was never an answer that satisfied. Not seeing an alternative, he carried on with the act of following a routine until he no longer thought about it at all. It was just what he did. Gerald's train pulled up at his usual stop. He stayed seated, not wanting to let go of the sensation of connection he felt with the complete strangers who rode with him. They passed through the Melbourne City Loop, shedding passengers at each stop before reaching Flinders Street Station where finally Gerald felt compelled to leave. He could feel a buried knot starting to unclench deep inside him. It gave him a need to explore, a desperate ache to do anything 
that wasn't routine. He rode up the escalators to the wide open concourse where commuters hurried in all directions. At the exit, he crossed the street towards the uneven surface of Federation Square. He drifted towards a hole-in-the-wall coffee shop and studied the chalkboard menu. He considered the relative safety of a cappuccino, but instead decided to be brave. What can I get ya? The heavily pierced barista asked. What's a Melbourne magic? Gerald asked. It's like a double ristretto with milk. Gerald felt none the wiser. Okay, I'll have one of those, thanks. Name? He hesitated. He'd always been Gerald, to his family, his friends and everyone who knew him. There was only one person who had called him something else. He needed to hear that name again. He told the barista, Jerry, with a G. He handed over $10, pocketed the change and moved to the side to wait for his new coffee adventure to begin. He waited, switching his weight from one foot to the other until his name was called. He approached the counter where he collected a takeaway cup with Jerry G scribbled on one side. Peering under the lid, he saw what looked much like a flat white. He took a tentative sip. It didn't taste familiar. It was strong and powerful, while still being smooth and easy to swallow. Jerry finally understood how people could become addicted to drinking this stuff, instead of grimly forcing it down every morning. He finished the cup and dropped it into a nearby bin, wide awake and ready to explore. Jerry walked down a nearby flight of stairs, through a pair of automatic sliding doors, which he remembered led to a large gallery of Australian art. He hadn't viewed any art in a long time. The abstract, computer-generated prints on the wall in his office building didn't count. For the next hour, Jerry drifted through the gallery. He stopped and gazed at everything he encountered, trying to understand the artist's intentions. The knot inside of him loosened further, encouraged by the many different ways people were able to express themselves. Portraits, landscapes, Sculptures of all colours, shapes and styles. Eventually, he came across an abstract statue, carved from pink and white marble, and walked around it, seeing different things at every angle. From one position, it was two lovers entwined in a passionate embrace. From another, it seemed to be a single figure 
silently pleading. Or it was a confusion of curves and angles, forming vaguely despairing faces. A small placard declared the statue was named Internal Shadows of Love Long Lost. He felt unexpected tears as unbidden memories began to rise. He pushed them back down. He wasn't ready. Jerry sat on a bench near the statue and wiped his eyes. He pulled a tissue from a pocket and delicately blew his nose. It had been over four years since he'd last cried. A soft Irish accent interrupted his thoughts. Are you okay, love? A woman in a dark blue skirt and jacket was standing next to him. She had short brown hair, light blue eyes and a friendly smile. A name tag read, Siobhan. Yes, thanks, he replied. Just a little overcome, I guess. Siobhan nodded thoughtfully. Art has that effect on me too. Anything with horses or dogs. For me, it appears to be abstract lumps of rock, Jerry said. Sounds like my ex-husband. He cried at sculpture? No, he was an abstract lump. May as well have been made of rock. Jerry snorted and laughed. There you go, all smiles and snorts, Siobhan said, as her smile grew into a big grin. Yes, thank you. It's been a long time since I laughed like that. Well, isn't that a shame? Everyone should snort out a laugh at least once a day. It does a body good. I'm sure it does. If only you were around every day to help with that. Siobhan raised one delicate eyebrow. Well now, there's a thing to say, and you and I only just met. Jerry felt his cheeks and forehead grow warm. No, I mean, he wasn't sure what he meant. I mean, you're lovely and kind, and I'm not used to being smiled at by pretty women, and I'm babbling like a fool. I'm sorry. It's okay, love. I like a fool who cries at art. Siobhan tilted her head to one side briefly, then held out a hand. I'm Siobhan. Pleased to meet you. Jerry stood up and took her hand, which was warm and firm. He gave it a quick shake, then reluctantly let go. I'm Gerald. Jerry. Well, Gerald, Jerry, I need to get back to reception before they send security to track me down. Jerry watched Siobhan walk away. He was feeling emotions he hadn't felt in over four years. She was a complete stranger. But that wasn't too much of a problem, 
was it? Could he ask her out? She seemed to like him. But what if she was only being professionally friendly? What if she was fed up with random men coming onto her because she was doing her job? She probably hated it. She'd gather with her colleagues after work and laugh about all the sad, pathetic no-hopers. No, best keep quiet. Don't make a fool of yourself, Jerry. No more than you already have. Siobhan paused under a large archway and looked back at him. I'm here Sunday to Thursday from eight to four every day. Don't be a stranger, Gerald Jerry. She gave him an over-exaggerated wink and disappeared through the archway. Jerry had fallen in love on three separate occasions. The first was a hot flash of teenage love that burned itself out over three weeks. They were consumed utterly until they discovered they had nothing to say to each other when their lips weren't otherwise occupied. The second was a strong, bright and fiercely independent woman he met at university. She played guitar atrociously, sang even worse, and never let that stop her. She burned with passion and joy and a hungry need to understand how everybody's mind worked. They were together for a year and a half until she broke his heart saying, I don't know who I am when I'm with you. He never did figure out what she meant. The third was during his early thirties. Images of the day they met were seared into his heart. What she wore, how she walked, her smile brightening every little thing around her, the way she leaned back and used her whole body when she laughed, the little crinkles around her eyes and the corners of her mouth, the strength in her long fingers when he impulsively reached for her hand as they walked through the night and she enthusiastically returned his grip the taste and texture and warmth of her lips, the promises in her eyes. They married a few years later. A few years after that, she was gone. Jerry left the gallery and roamed the city. At every junction, he let fate decide which way he turned. If the crossing lights were green, he crossed the road. If they were red, he'd continue walking around the block. His path formed a haphazard zigzag as he followed the whims of chance and timing. Jerry walked past convenience stores, pubs, sports shops, jewellery emporiums, and stores selling all manner of clothing from high fashion to hipster youth. He'd seen them all before, 
But today the city was vibrant, alive in ways he hadn't experienced in years. He dawdled down graffiti-strewn alleys between towering office blocks, marvelling at how talented someone could be with a spray can. He saw a small sandwich shop where he bought a baguette stuffed with salami, cheese and lettuce. He munched on the baguette, enjoying the crusty texture and rich flavours. Exceptional compared to his usual sad sandwich. Routine had always taken him down the same paths, through the same old habits. What did routine ever do other than keep him stuck in his life? It ensured he got up in the morning, went to work, came home, ate and slept. But it didn't allow him to move on or truly feel alive. Jerry decided it was time to say goodbye to routine. It was time to say goodbye to being stuck. It was time to finally say goodbye. Jerry made his way to a number 64 tram, which took him south out of the city. He sat in silent contemplation, paying no attention to the few people who rode quietly with him. What am I doing? Is this what a breakdown feels like? Doesn't feel too bad. Should I be more worried about what I'm doing? Am I now worrying about not worrying enough? After a 20-minute ride, Jerry hopped off the tram and walked along the footpath to a set of ornate cemetery gates. The shoes always brought him to this cemetery every Sunday morning. He'd walk past statues of winged angels, crosses in many styles, polished white marble, pockmarked grey stone. He'd walk among monuments to opulence and death before reaching a small garden where he'd find a simple gravestone under a white rose bush. He'd stand for a few minutes, wondering if he should say something. He had to push his feelings deep down and lock them away or he'd break. If he spoke, he risked his feelings coming out and he knew he wouldn't be able to handle that. So he remained awkwardly mute. Then he'd lay down the bouquet of fresh lilies and irises and leave. Today wasn't Sunday and Jerry didn't have a bouquet of flowers. He hesitated at the gates, hands clenching to hold something that wasn't there. He had brought something. He finally had something to say. Jerry followed the familiar path to the tidy little garden. 
and stood in front of the white rose bush. The gravestone was smooth black marble with the name Sarah Jenkins inscribed in white across the top, a beloved wife and much missed, slightly smaller below. Hello, Princess, Jerry said. I'm sorry I don't have any flowers today. It's Thursday and I wasn't expecting to be here. I've come because I need to say His throat constricted and he choked down a painful spasm. I've come to say goodbye. I'm sorry it's taken me so long. Sorry I had nothing to say. You don't know how hard it was for me to keep going without you. Everything was upside down and inside out. The world tipped on its side and nothing made sense. Jerry took a few trembling breaths before continuing. I nearly did something stupid and final to try and stop the pain. They gave me pills, which worked in a way, I guess. They took the pain away and every other feeling. Large hot tears fell onto Sarah's gravestone. I saw a grief counsellor. I saw a few. The last one helped me to set up a routine. Something to keep me going every day. To keep me alive. Except I'm not. Life needs change, but there's none. No change, no growth, no improvement. Just routine. I'm not a person anymore. I'm a to-do list. Jerry knew Sarah and would have thought that funny, and he felt a smile cross his lips. Something changed today. I don't know why. Fate? Randomness? Maybe it's just time to stop living the routine. To stop being routine. Jerry turned away from the stone rubbing one hand across his chest. The knot deep down loosened further. He sighed deeply and turned back. I met someone. I mean, I didn't really not meet meet. I just spoke with someone who seemed nice and who was interested in me in a small way. I thought about talking to her some more. I realised I could. Talk with another human being and get carried away by conversation and connection. I could ask her out on a date, get to know her, learn why she's so full of life. Jerry crouched down and focused on the ground in front of the gravestone. I thought about sharing my thoughts and feelings. I felt like I could have thoughts and feelings again. Even if it didn't work out with this particular woman, I wonder if maybe I could meet somebody incredible and caring and warm and vibrant and fall in love and live a long and happy life.
Maybe I could live again. Jerry's tears fell heavier and he wiped at his eyes. I've stayed trapped in routine far too long. That's enough. I'm not willing to do that anymore. I'm here to say goodbye. I should have said it years ago, but I I couldn't. I couldn't let go. Now I have to. I need to. He reached out for the gravestone and pushed himself up to a standing position, leaving one hand resting on the cool marble. Goodbye, my sweet princess. Every day since we met, you brought flavour to my daylight moments and colour to my dreams. Every night I fall asleep thinking of you and wake with your name on my lips. I once promised there would never be a day when I didn't love you. And it's still true. It always will be. But now I truly need to let you go. Jerry walked away from the garden, wiping his eyes dry with the back of one hand. He left the cemetery, heading towards the scent of the ocean on the early afternoon air. Head held high, he enjoyed the warmth of the sun and the sounds of people bustling all around him. His mind was clear as he walked and the knot of grief had almost completely loosened. At the foreshore, he stopped and gazed at the city. Towers of chrome and glass in the distance. In years past, he had loved Melbourne, walking through the streets, eating in the many cafes and drinking at endless bars and watering holes. He had always felt it was truly alive in ways that most cities could only dream of. He turned away from Melbourne and walked across the soft sand to stand in front of the gently rippling waves. This was the spot where Sarah had asked Jerry to marry her. He'd been standing right here, looking out over the bay, when he'd heard her soft giggle. He'd turned and saw her down on one knee, wobbling slightly, holding a simple silver ring in one outstretched hand. He'd burst into tears and said, Yes, oh my God, yes, before she even asked the question. Jerry closed his eyes and licked the salty sea breeze from his lips while the sun warmed his back. He turned slowly in place, letting the cool breeze and warm sun envelop him, allowing the memory of that day to fill him with the happiness that it held, allowing his grief to wash over him. Routine could keep him safe from pain and grief, He could take a step back to routine, back to safety, back to being numb, no risk, no feelings.
Or he could choose to be free and take a step forward to something new. There was the potential for joy and wonder, but also so much hurt. Could he step forward when he knew how much it could hurt? There was a third option. He could step out into the bay, keep going and let the water take him away where he'd never again have to worry about heartbreak and loss. At home, the shoes were waiting for him, ready to wrap him in their stiff but familiar embrace. In Jerry's past, there was misery and grief. He didn't know what his future might bring. Maybe the grief would never leave. Maybe he could learn to live with it and balance it with new joy. Jerry knew there were events he could not control that could change his life completely. Simple things like randomly putting the shoes on in the wrong order, forcing him to see life from a different perspective. Or an intriguing encounter in an art gallery, stirring up unaccustomed thoughts and feelings or a driver reaching for a ringing phone and taking his eyes off the road for a split second, wiping away all meaning from the world. Jerry opened his eyes and looked down at the reflected sky. Step back, step forward or step out. There was only one answer. Jerry knew what Sarah would do. As he whispered, goodbye, took a step and felt the last ties of routine fall away. After listening to the story routine, I wonder what images linger with you. Did you picture Gerald looking at the chalkboard coffee menu and deciding to be brave and take a new coffee adventure? And what about Jerry with a G? Could you picture that written on the side of the cup? How does it feel to you if someone decides to shorten your name or give you a cute nickname? Or perhaps... You pictured Gerald putting his shoes on in a particular order, right foot first, or maybe left foot first. Do you have a commuting routine like Gerald? Do you stand in the same place each day and get in the same carriage? During Gerald's venture away from routine, when he was doing something creative, exploring the art gallery, he experienced a moment of connecting to his emotions, which was unexpected for him. He pushed the tears back. He wasn't ready. Ready for what? Do you know that feeling? And in that state of connecting to his emotions, another human sensed that and reached out to him with kindness. 
Don't be a stranger, Siobhan had said. He had made a new friend, all from changing his mindless routine. And Gerald laughed in a way that made him feel good. He felt emotions he hadn't felt for years, and it felt good. Routine had helped Gerald cope with grief. But now he saw routine was also keeping him stuck. And he made the decision to say goodbye to feeling stuck. He needed to let go of thoughts and feelings that were no longer working for him to be able to do that. And the knot deep down loosened further when he was able to see life from a different perspective. Do you have the same old routines you follow? Have you ever thought about them? Or do you just do them without thinking about them at all? Routine can help us get through the challenges of the pandemic. Working from home, eating regularly, getting exercise. But as humans, we need more than that. Little adventures like looking at art and feeling the sun on our face. How would it feel if you changed your routine, even in some small way? Do you feel better if you can control your experience? Today's poem, The Road Not Taken, was written in 1915 by Robert Frost. So again, I invite you to relax, settle back and let yourself listen. Two roads diverged in a yellow wood and sorry I could not travel both and be one traveller. Long I stood and looked down one as far as I could to where it bent in the undergrowth. Then took the other just as fair. And having perhaps the better claim because it was grassy and wanted wear. Though as for that, the passing there had warned them really about the same. And both that morning equally lay in leaves no step had trodden black. Oh, I kept the first for another day, yet knowing how way leads on to way, I doubted if I should ever come back. I shall be telling this with a sigh, somewhere ages and ages hence. Two roads diverged in a wood and I I took the one less travelled by, and that has made all the difference. What lines of the poem reached out to you, calling to be rolled around in your mouth, savoured and thought about a little more? 
I wonder if it was. I took the one less travelled by and that has made all the difference. The lines in this inspiring poem assist us to be more introspective about how we function day to day. Do you let your shoes just walk through life? Perhaps you might think about being a little more adventurous, doing something differently from how you always do it. If you feel hemmed in by routine, reading Siddhartha, written by Hermann Hesse, can help to remind us to give ourselves some space to change or move forward or be a little more adventurous. I recommend this short and deceptively simple story and anything else written by Hesse. I look forward to talking to you next time when we reflect on the foundations on which we live our lives. If you would like to get in touch, you can send an email to inquiries at slv.vic.gov.au. Thanks for joining me, and to finish this episode, I'll leave you with a reread of The Road Not Taken. Two roads diverged in a yellow wood, and sorry I could not travel both and be one traveller. Long I stood and looked down one as far as I could to where it bent in the undergrowth, then took the other, just as fair, and having perhaps the better claim because it was grassy and wanted wear. Though as for that, the passing there, had warned them really about the same. And both that morning equally lay in leaves, no step had trodden black. Oh, I kept the first for another day, yet knowing how way leads on to way, I doubted if I should ever come back. I shall be telling this with a sigh, somewhere ages and ages hence. Two roads diverged in a wood and I, I took the one less travelled by, and that has made all the difference. Join Dr Susan McLean next Monday for another episode of Bibliotherapy with State Library Victoria. For more information about the series, head to www.slv.vic.gov.au forward slash bibliotherapy.